Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Hi and welcome to episode 12 of The Bra and the Brave. You'll often hear me give the advice, if you don't ask, you don't get. But personally, putting that into practice is another thing. Producing this podcast has pushed me out of my comfort zone. And as the title suggests, being brave, in inverted commas, is where creativity, wonderful experiences and lifelong lessons reside. So when my husband encouraged me to contact this week's guest, I eventually plucked up the courage to ask him. Bruce Smart embarked on an around-the-world adventure on his motorbike in 2012, documenting it online. He now has a massive social media following, but for him, the memories made and experiences his travels have afforded him are where his passion lies. Bruce is everything you imagine he is from watching him online and more. Warm, positive, loves a laugh and is an excellent storyteller. He's also very generous with his time and I really appreciate him taking a detour on his travels to come record this podcast. If this doesn't make you want to go travelling, I don't know what will. Enjoy. Right, okay, excellent. It's the worst bit of starting it. Okay. I get very nervous and then I'm fine after that. Aye, I don't know why, it's (laughs) random, totally weird. Anyway, we're good to go. Right. I am here with Bruce Smart. How you doing? I feel like it should be fanfare. (laughs) Some pirates, things. <laughs> Sirens. Um, yeah. I should say, AKA Teapot One, mm-hmm. and I am very interested in everything Teapot One, but um, probably predominantly your amazing world tour that you did on your motorbike. Yep. Can you recall the first time that you were kind of keen, interested, fascinated with motorbikes? Yes, I can yeah. actually. I- I didn't... Hello, Ed, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've not been like a lifelong biker. I came into biking really late. Okay. Um, literally 2008, so I was wow. 32. Um, but my first memory of biking was... I was about four, I think, five. My dad worked off on the oil rigs. Right. And I remember him coming home on leave. And this bloke was with him who had this massive, great, big blue bike. It was a big Suzuki. And I remember when he, he stayed with us for a, a weekend, I think, mm-hmm. and I remember when he left, he picked me up and put me on the tank of this thing, and I just thought, wow, this is the best thing in the world. <laughs> but uh, after that, you know, my mum was like, no, you're not getting a bike. And my yeah. dad was, no, you're not getting a bike. So I never got a bike. Yeah. Um, the next time bikes came into my life was about 2004, when my mum and dad bought me The Long Way Around, the box set. Yes. Didn't know anything about it. I just remember opening up a present at Christmas, and it was this. And thought, "What's that?" Put, uh-huh. I put it on, and it and it and it lit a fire. That was it. it was, yeah. I'm doing that. I need to do that. I, I want to do that. that. Yeah. But again, thought, "Mum won't let me have a bike." You know, I'm 32, but my mum won't let me have a bike. And um, I was. Like I was, I was, I was in the police by that point. But my mum no, won't let me have no. a bike, so that was that. And, um, <laughs> I, I thought about world travel, but thought I can't do it at the moment. I've got a job, you know. I had a son, mm. uh, mortgage, all the rest of Adulting, it. Adulting, eh? Exactly, yeah. All the grown-up <laughs> stuff, and thought I'll do that when I'm older. Um, and then 
life has a habit of getting in the way and things mm. happened and I made the decision to go. Yeah. <laughs> and what was there a particular moment or situation that sparked that? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, my mum my mom fought cancer for about 10 years. Oh, um, goodness. And uh, so she got the five-year all clear. Yeah. But unfortunately, after about a year, it came back. So uh, it kept coming back and she'd have to go through treatment and they'd get to grips with it. Mm -hmm. She'd be sent away again and then it would come back again. So the last time it came back, my folks had actually emigrated to Spain when she got the five-year-old clear. Just for, you know, retire basically out in the sun. So the last time it came back, my father was out in Korea. My dad worked, he was still working at that point. So mm. he was working out in the oil in South Korea. So mom was by herself in Spain. And I was like, you know, come come back mm-hmm. and, and live with me uh, in my flat while you go through the treatment. Because okay. she was get, going through treatment at um, the, the cancer hosp- uh, hospital hey. in Chelsea. They'd looked after her the whole time. So she wanted to, to stick with them. But unfortunately, she wasn't responding to this treatment, so she was getting more and more unwell, and we'd just spend a lot of time chatting, really, you know, just sitting on the couch when I wasn't working and just mm-hmm. chatting. And one day, on one of the, uh, like, Dave or one of the Sky channels, uh-huh. Long Way Round came on again, and obviously I'd seen it all before, and it came on, and it, it, I just started moaning and saying, oh, it's all right for McGregor, you know, A-list celeb with all the money in the world, blah, 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 blah. And my mum just turned around and she said, look, you've you've always spoke about doing this round-the-world trip mm-hmm. since you saw it, you know, in 2004. You've always spoke about riding a bike and you've never done it. She said, um, don't get to my stage where you face the end and you sort of look back and regret what you've not mm-hmm. done in life. Wow. So she said, you, we only get one chance that we know of, so look after those that you love, but but live your life. And those words of... I've sort of changed my my yeah, world really. Live your, your life. That's it's, your mantra now. It is, yeah. It's sort of the, the mantra and the tag for and your for if me. your mum's saying you're allowed to go. <laughs> this is it. Then you have yeah. to go. So there and then I, I, I got my laptop out and I um I Googled how do you pass a bike test and um a thing called direct access came up. DAS. Mm-hmm. So I booked my DAS there and then. Um by the time I'd done the course and passed the test, mum had got really bad she was very near the end so she'd elected to go to a local uh, palliative care hospice okay. rather than pass away in my flat she mm. um, she wanted to go there so uh, I remember when I passed my test I'd already bought the bike the bike was sat there at the, the dealership <laughs> waiting for me to, to pass this test <laughs> so uh, you know I got my, my Power Ranger leather outfit on and jumped on this bike and rode it to the hospice walked in shook the keys at my mom and said uh, I've done it I've passed the test so she gave Wonderful. me a big hug, and uh, as only moms can, and and she said, "Right, promise me you'll you'll do this trip." Mm. So I promised her, and uh, six days later, unfortunately, she passed away. So that was it. I was I was going around the world. <laughs> My goodness, and I can't even begin to imagine what prep is involved when you're thinking I'm going to take myself around the world yeah. on a motorbike. Well, do you know if I if I was if I was in a position to go again? Uh-huh. I, I would go now, you know, I, mm. I would literally take a passport and a credit card and I'd get on a bike and I'd go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've done it now, so hindsight's a wonderful thing. But at the time, I was very much of the opinion that you just said there. I was like, God, how do you do this? You've, ah, you've got to plan like you're everything. you're saying you McGregor, he's got all I, the resources and the money in the it. world. Like, yeah, how, yeah. Does, how does Joe Bloggs do it? Exactly. I was just, just about managing to, you know pay my bills and, and clothe and feed myself. So uh-huh. it was like, how am I going to do this? So I, I sort of set a date 
way in way in advance, mm. like three years ahead. Okay. I thought, right, 2012, it'll be after the Olympics, so it'll be easy for me to get time off work because I knew there wasn't a chance of me taking a, a break mm. from work before the Olympics. Got so you. I thought, get the Olympics out of the way. I thought, mum's birthday, 1st of October. So that'll be nice. the date I go. So I just put, I plucked that date out of my head and thought, that's the date I'm going, which gave me about three and a half almost four years okay. to plan and it was far enough in advance that it's not going to happen you know it's I don't need to worry about it it's in the, it's in the future and I, I just went to work basically I, I, I tried to get people on board tried to get corporate backing um, everything you can think of I, I wrote thousands and thousands of letters and sent packs away and I went around all the bike shows you know, you know the exhibitions yeah. that we do just just went around cold calling people, basically trying don't to drum ask, up business. You don't get. This is exactly it, and uh, I got well. I didn't get for about <laughs> for about two years. I got absolutely nowhere, and um, out the blue, Vango, the mm-hmm. you know the, the camping company, they got in touch and, and basically said um, we'd we'd like to to give you some kit. I thought, wow. Okay. Like, what kind of kit do I need? Well, the, the, this was it. It was like, well, what, what do I need to take with me? And they basically said, well, have a look at the brochure and you can have what you like. So it's oh. like, Woo-hoo. Yeah, so they were sort of the first ones that, that, that came on board. And that just seemed to start a trickle, really. Mm. A couple of other com- companies started getting in touch. Bridgestone got in touch, said, oh, we, you know, we'd like to give you the tyres. So I, what I was finding was, was companies were very keen to give you kit. But uh, you know you couldn't get any cash out of anyone at all. So um, I, I literally sold everything I owned. Well, my my now wife sold everything I owned. Is that right? Yeah, part I kept my flat just so that I had something. A base. When I came back, yeah. <laughs> but literally everything down to the plants, everything Goodness. got sold. Yeah. You were you were definitely determined to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, I was I was definitely going to do it. So um, that was that really. Wow. And then. Um, those three years, uh, I did a lot of fundraising, organised lots of different events, trying to raise some money to help me do the trip. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to, I wanted to raise some money for the hospice that looked after my mum. Nice. Uh, but with that, over the next sort of three or four years, I ended up attracting another four charities. So wow. I ended up having five charities on board and I had delusions of grandeur. It was, it was about 100,000 miles was my route. And I okay. thought, well... £10 a mile, I'll raise a million pounds. Why can't I raise a million pounds? So that was the initial idea, was to raise a million pounds for these five charities. It didn't quite work out that way. But, uh, but yeah. over your lifetime, you just never know. You might, well, you yeah. might end up raising a million pounds. And the thing is about know. charity, anything that you can offer. It, yeah. And even you know supporting a charity through publicising what they do and yeah, you know, their cause, that's... Definitely. That's a great help. So anything you did raise, I'm sure, was much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the charities were brilliant. You know, even to this day, some of them are, are still in touch. Because there's, there's the, the odd bit that comes trickling in. People still donate course, every now and then. So I think I've raised about 15 grand so That's far. Amazing. So which is Which is great. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is good. Definitely. So yeah. after you had the backing of... Uh-huh. Some of the kit companies and I guess things like you know logistics wise like passports and insurances and yeah injections and yeah the injections go cool, the injections yeah I, I literally went to the doctor and said right this is what I'm doing I'm going this is where I'm area. going pretty much it was <laughs> the entire world and um, their faces lit up and uh, I could hear the cash registers ringing and I think it was about seven hundred quid what? in total yeah yeah and I was just a dartboard and a and a pill dispenser, Jeez, I think. Oh. I, I rattled. Um, yeah, so I took all these these medications and uh, eventually hit the road. Off I went. So did you manage to get away on 
the day on the first yeah, yeah. first of October 2012 awesome. yeah there was uh, all my friends and family turned up Lovely. all the lads from work turned up I nice. got a big escort started at the Cenotaph in Whitehall which is just down from Downing Street where, uh-huh. I, where I work so um, that was great but when it, when the time came to actually leave uh, it was uh, that was the hardest part was leaving I'm actually, I'm actually going yeah yeah yeah. It was that honestly was the hardest part just setting yeah. off yeah but once you're, it's a bit like doing this podcast. It's yeah. just, you just, just got to leap in, haven't you? Just got to start it. That's it. Exactly. It's like life, isn't it? You just got to got to start it. You got yeah. to get going. All that planning, all that yeah. effort that you put in. Yeah. So, uh, well, I can't even imagine how many highlights and how many memorable moments that you've got. But can you kind of pinpoint some of the highlights for that trip? Was there particular places or particular kind of people that you met along the way that just made it for you? I think the the biggest thing for. The whole trip for me was was the people. Was, my job, uh, don't hate me, I'm, I'm a police officer down in London, and in my job, you can't help but become very suspicious, mm. um, judgmental to an extent, but that's your job, that's your day-to-day job. You know, without wanting to sound too melodramatic, that keeps you alive sometimes, yeah. is you know your gut instinct when of you course. meet somebody, pr- uh, prior experience, all this sort of stuff, and... And in my sort of role, people didn't tend to tell you the truth. They're always trying to hide something. Yeah. So uh, you become very suspicious of people. And I was very aware that I'd changed as a person over sort of 10, 11 years in the job. Um, and I didn't really like who I was becoming, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, coming, stepping out of that world and going out by myself just chucking myself out there and relying on total random strangers, not just in the UK, but all over the world, you know, and and in some places where you're told not to go, to, to find yourself out there and basically putting yourself out there to them saying, I need your help here, and discovering that most people out there are brilliant, they're brand new, they're just like, you know, me and you, they're just, mm. most people out there, all they want to do is put food on the table, a roof over the head, look after their loved ones, get on my life and if they can help they'll help yeah and that that's people no matter where they are what language you speak who they believe in doesn't matter that's that's, that's most people i've been watching the documentary series the kindness diaries right there, there's good people out there absolutely all the world. yeah i, I saw if it get nothing they'll still give you it. absolutely you know russia was one of the the biggest eye-openers for me right. and not in the country but as in the people mm. because you know, I grew up when there was a Cold War and Russia was the enemy. And then in London, a lot of the Russians that you meet, you know, the the, the mega rich, super rich. Mm. And when you go away on holiday, it's the mega rich Russians that you see yeah, out there. And they all have that certain persona about yeah. them, don't they? But when you get to Russia itself and you meet normal Russian people, they're like a brick wall for about the first couple of minutes. And then if they're still talking to you after a couple of minutes, you're literally family. They, right? I mean, they will literally take the shirt off their back to give wow. it to you if you need it. And um, a, a couple of times crossing Russia, I was right in the middle of Russia, a place called Novosibirsk. I'd stayed with a random family for, for five days. Okay. Um, which is a story in itself how I met them. <laughs> okay, but, uh, tell us. <laughs> but you want to hear oh, that story? Yeah, I, I do. Right, I okay. want to hear all the stories. <laughs> I, I had an issue with the frame on my bike. I, I did a trip on a sports bike, a Suzuki okay. GSX-R1000, mm-hmm. which is like a race bike. Right. It's not the sort of bike you take on a round-the-world trip. Got you. And certainly not the sort of bike you take when you're six foot three and 18 stone. So um, 
I took this bike and when I was crossing the Sahara, I snapped the subframe. Um, and I think I, I must have damaged something in the mount or in the, the shock mount or something because every time I replaced a subframe with a new subframe, it would snap again very easily. The first time I had it really loaded up, but after that, I took a lot of the kit off, so it wasn't carrying much okay. weight. So I'm, I'm crossing Russia and uh, I happened to meet a couple of other bikers who were getting a lick on. And I thought, oh, this is, this is fun. I'd not ridden with, with other bikers at any sort of speed in a, in a long time. Uh -huh. So I was battling along the road with these guys and, and I hit a, just a little hole in the road uh -huh. and it snapped the subframe again. So I was like, oh God, not again. So uh, we pulled to the side of the road and it turns out these Russian guys were in a race from St. Petersburg to Vladivostok, which is basically diagonally right across the entire country of Russia, wow. over 10,000 kilometers. So it's a 10 day, 10,000 kilometer race. Right. And they were in the lead. Ah. But obviously they'd met me and they stopped to help. And okay. they said, don't worry about it. We've got a mechanic. We'll give him a call and he'll come and help you. So, lovely job, thank you very much. I'm thinking the mechanic is just down the road. No, it took him about seven hours, for oh, five, five or seven hours to come and get us. But in that time, everyone else in the race was catching up. But they didn't overtake. <laughs> well, this is the thing. They didn't. They oh, all wow, stopped. Mate. Yeah, they all stopped. And um, to a man, they, they all stopped. They pulled over at the side of the road and uh, we ended up with a bit of a bike festival, basically. You know, we were there for like five hours. There was a couple of Polish guys who were on their way to Mongolia stopped. So the Poles got out their vodka, the Russian guys got out food, we, we were cooking food by a blowtorch at the side of the road, and eventually this van turns up with this guy in it, a Moldovan Russian guy called, and I'm not making this up, this is his name, Gennady Filosov Shatov. That, that was his is name. A name. That and is he, a name. And he looked like a pirate. I mean, if you ever get a chance to um, watch any of the vids on YouTube, you'll see this guy, he looks yeah. like a pirate. Big scar right down his face. But it turns out he was the first Russian to single-handedly ride solo around the world on a motorbike. Wow. I mean, what's the chances of that happening? Really? What is this? Yeah. So he said, yeah, no problem. He said, well, I know a mechanic. Um, we'll take you to the mechanic. So again, I thought it would be down the road. Mm. Day and a half, I'm in the van with him. He drove for a day and a half to this city, uh, Novosibirsk. And literally at a service station outside the city, he stopped the van chatted away to all these people who were coming up and getting autographs from him. I had no idea who this bloke was. He was like he was like some celebrity there. And my bike was taken off the back of his van and put into another van and it went. I didn't get introduced to whoever had it. The bike just went. Right. So I'm thinking, what's going on here? What's happening? And uh, Gennady basically said, no, no, don't worry about that. Your bike's going to get fixed. You know, this, this is your friend here. You will stay with him. And that was that. So I was introduced to this chap, Mark, and um, put in his car and driven into the city. Nice. <laughs> and I stayed with him and his family for about five days. You couldn't no. like that. Yeah, and they invited all their other family from all over Russia. They all came to meet. That's awesome. Yeah, every night was a was a party. It was a good giggle. So at the end of that, he took me to a, a mechanic who gave me my bike and said, there you go, it's fixed. Job done. I mean, you're faith in humanity is absolutely. just restored yeah. <laughs> tenfold yeah. when you meet people like that yeah. in the middle of nowhere absolutely you're and in then, the middle of a race well this is right yeah everyone stopped to, to help and you know you're like oh it's just the, the whole trip had moments like that in it yeah. where you just think this is I can't believe I can't believe this is happening That's amazing <laughs> but back to that original the whole point of that story was when I left that family and wow. I started back on the road again I stopped at a petrol station 
And when I was there, this Russian guy was sort of just staring at me across the forecourt. Wow. So I thought, mm. so I waved, gave him the thumbs up. And he came over, said something in Russian. You know, I said, uh, no, Scotia, English. So mm. he's like, no, he didn't speak English. So he was pointing at my number plate. Right. And uh, giving it, you know, what's this kind of thing. Oh. So I had a map on the back of my helmet with my whole route on it. Yes. So I showed him, you know, I'm from the UK mm-hmm. and I'm riding this all the way around here. He liked the idea of that. So then he sort of did the universal sign for sleep with your two <laughs> hands together. So I pointed to my tent on the front of my bike and pointed mm-hmm. to a field. And he just looked in horror and basically shook his head. Yet, no, 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 no. And he's like, you follow me, come, okay. come, come. So by that point of the trip, I was sort of not used to stuff like this, but you just go with it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, okay. So I I just followed the guy. When he got in his car and pulled away, I, I followed him. And um, eventually we ended up at a, like a wooden hut uh-huh. out in the woods in the outskirts of a little village. Went in and there's his missus standing there cooking some food and she turned around and looked at me and looked at him and they had a little discussion in Russian. Picked up. Yeah, and the, the next thing I'm getting a bowl of borscht given to me, which is like stew and some vodka and Lovely. Yeah, spent the night there, ended up staying there. I often wondered, did he actually mean for me to turn up? Or when we walk in, did he turn around to his wife and like, go Oh no, he actually has I don't followed know, me. Yeah, I don't know who this madman is, he's just followed me. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but you just you sort of go with it. Welcomed with open arms with these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russia was a yeah. It sounds like an amazing was a hell place, of a place with amazing people. Yeah, I loved it. I'd go back in a heartbeat. Really? Yeah. And were there places that you were like, can't wait to get to this place, and then it was what you'd dreamed it was, or that even better, or or you know, not so. Um, everywhere was awesome, apart from one country, and I'm gutted that. This one country was the way it was. Uh-huh. I went down, the whole idea was to go right round Africa originally. Yes. So I'd come into Morocco and then work my way down the west coast, all the way down to South Africa and then up the east. Mm-hmm. And then from there through the Middle East and up into Russia and okay. across that way. Yeah. But unfortunately, as I was working my way down West Africa, um, the Boko Haram lot, you know, the the one the Islamic fundamentalists that yeah. kidnapped all the Nigerian schoolgirls, mm-hmm. that had just happened and they were exploding out of Central Africa. So they'd taken over Mali and sacked Timbuktu, and, which is where I was going after mm-hmm. after this place, after Mauritania. And they started to come into this country called Mauritania, which is right on the, f- the west, the far west of Africa, okay. um, yeah. just at the bottom edge of the Sahara Desert. So uh, to try and combat that, the Mauritanian government flooded. There's only two roads that cross the desert there. Everywhere else is landmined. So they, they flooded these roads with police and military the checkpoints everywhere, which should be great. But unfortunately, um, I think they just saw it as a dinner bell because I just got robbed every single day, about a dozen times a day oh by police, basically. Really? Just, yeah, just putting a gun in your face and oh emptying your wallet. So sometimes it was done with a smile, sometimes it wasn't. Yeah. But uh, I ended up, luckily I ended up meeting a, an older South African chap who was actually riding from Scotland back home to South Africa. Okay. So we buddied up because we'd heard we'd heard that Mauritania wasn't very good at that point in time. So um, I'm glad I did. He, he sort of saved my life really at one yeah. point. But uh, as we were trying to leave, we got taken by a gang that were working with the police and we ended up getting held for a while and it was just oh horrible. Goodness, yeah, it was horrible. horrible. <laughs> it was not yeah, a good experience. No, definitely not. So that sort of tainted my opinion of, of Mauritania for sure, which is a shame because I know a lot of people who've been there before and since and had no issues at all. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. 
Africa in particular is is a very volatile place. You know, it can yeah. be great in the morning and in the afternoon. So it's just one of those things. Um, you know, I've been back to Africa since, around Morocco and places like that, and you know, I love it. I have no issue there at all. It's great. Yeah. I'd like to go back one day and, and finish the tour of Africa I at think, one I stage. Think you, I think you maybe will. <laughs> <laughs> I get the impression that you, you yeah. might just do that. I don't like to be beaten. So, uh... Travelling alone, mm-hmm. did you experience, I mean, obviously you've given us an insight you know, of some of the major pitfalls that you came across, but... Um, how do you how do you deal with the loneliness of travelling on your own? I mean, it sounds like you came across so many wonderful people, but I'm sure yeah. there were times where it's just you, yeah. And your thoughts in the bike and there was, but I kind of I'm not a loner by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't mind my own company, okay, and I, and I never have. So the thought, the prospect of being alone, uh-huh. it didn't it didn't bother me, you yeah. know, it, it didn't fill me with dread or anything like that. But there were certainly times when you experience things or you see places that, you know, I think, oh, my mates would love this, my son would love that, Nikki, my, my wife, mm. oh, she would love this. So th- there were times when you're just thinking, God, this this is almost wasted just on me. Somebody yeah. else needs to see it, uh-huh. you know? I remember being in, in Chile in the Atacama Desert at night and all my batteries had gone and all my camera cameras and my phone and everything, mm. so I couldn't even document it. But I remember looking up at the sky in the pitch black and it was like, you know, when you see that, there's a video clip of the Milky Way and you can see it all rotating Uh round about like that. It's a time-lapse footage. Well, that was filmed there in the Atacama Desert because there's no light pollution at all. And I remember looking up and seeing it and just thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh But I couldn't couldn't document it. In the the Milky Way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's all things like that 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 you think, oh, it would be good. And and other times when maybe... uh, you're facing a situation where you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this, mm-hmm. where it would be nice to have somebody else what there with you. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a bit of moral support. <laughs> but then conversely, I think the fact I was by myself, 99.9% of the time probably helped me because people were more inclined to come over and chat. Of course. Because it's yeah, just me. Yeah, you're just on your own, yeah. Yeah. Doing your thing. Yeah, so it swings and roundabouts really because... It, if, if I wanted company, I could just use social media to, to whack on there and say, right, I'm heading to, I'll be in Lima in a week. Yeah. Is anyone around? You know, uh-huh. do you want to meet up? And you know, nine times out of ten, people would get in touch and go, yeah, yeah, come in. Or oh, I've got family there or friends there. Amazing. And you just That is the joy that is social media. I mean, Absolutely. It gets a bad rap mm. a lot of the time and mm. I understand why. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, but, you know, in terms of your social media following yeah. and you documenting the the trip mm-hmm. was that something that you'd always planned to do when you'd set off kind of you know yeah I think together? Facebook I'm going to sound really old here yeah I'm probably the only person that uses Facebook now but um, no no I'm still <laughs> on the old Facebook <laughs> yeah but Facebook was sort of when I first started planning this 2009 Facebook was probably at its height then yeah. really I think yeah so everyone was on it mm. and uh, I didn't really have a massive following through the trip. I think the Facebook page got to about 4,000 followers at its peak, and the YouTube had about 600 subscribers okay. through the whole trip. I mean, it's weird because since I finished, end of 2016, I started doing the weekly vids again on mm-hmm. YouTube, and that seemed to kickstart everything, and the Facebook's just gone daft now. <laughs> but um, at the time, I, I just thought I would use social media, in particular Facebook, I would just use that as a means of documenting the trip for myself and yeah. for friends and family, course, really. And I if mean, anyone else wanted to follow it, great. Great. And, uh, yeah, as, as it was, 
it, it, it sort of got a bit of a following, which is uh, good. Just a wee bit. <laughs> and, um, you know, the camera equipment and stuff, was that all new to you? you know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And obviously then you, you've came home and edited and... Well, I, I edited on the way, as I was oh, going. Oh, did you really? Right, okay, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I literally... I mean, it's so bad planning. The amount of preparation I put into the trip, you'd think I would have taught myself how to take pictures, how to film and how to edit, and uh -huh. I didn't. So I, I literally, I remember getting to the Nürburgring in Germany. It's about three weeks, two weeks, three weeks into the trip after mm -hmm. doing most of Europe. Sitting down and I booked myself into a, a, like a guest house near the Nürburgring. And I remember sitting, sitting down there and thinking, whoa, I better, I better make some sort of video. Uh -huh. And I thought, like, how do I make a video? <laughs> And I remember thinking to myself, why, why didn't well, I... Well, YouTube this. Yeah, I, I did. I literally did. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember thinking, why the heck didn't I learn this before? You know, I've had <laughs> four years. Busy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I literally had to sit there and teach myself how to edit along along the way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would sort of, every four or five weeks, I'd, I'd book myself into a motel for or a, or a hostel for uh -huh. like four or five days and just sit there for 20 hours a day and just edit. <laughs> and get a video together right. I'd have to, I was writing for a bike magazine as well so cool. I'd have to get that done and then a blog as well so I'd just get all that admin out of the way and then hit the road again for another four or five weeks and but I guess that you know it's a nice way to like for you you know personally to document it but like you say have that connection back home Aye. and then you wouldn't I'm guessing you wouldn't have realised then the following that it would accumulate after no, Fact. further down the line, no, never. <laughs> never. And in terms of your YouTube channel now and the weekly videos that you do, mm. was that just something that post-trip you were like, I could maybe do this YouTube yeah. thing? Yeah, I've got to admit, I, I really suffered when I came back. Yeah. Really, no one, no so one ever... How long were you away for? Uh, 442 days wow. in total. Yeah. So it was about it was a year and a half, roughly. Mm, it's a long time. But um, no one seems to, no one seems to address it that, you know, you, you get the post-holiday blues, don't you? Of course. Well, you imagine being on the road for a year, year and a half. Some people are away for five years, ten mm -hmm. years. When you come back from that, it's hard. It's really hard. How can you compare with that amazing adventure yeah. that you just And it's because you come back and you've totally changed. You know, you, uh -huh. You've absolutely fundamentally changed. But nobody else has when you come back. For me, I'd come back to my job and everyone's the same. It's, it's like I... You know, I left on a Friday and came back on a Monday. Monday. Everyone is the same, doing the same thing. And yeah, that's hard. I sort of come back and thought, what was the point of that? You know, okay. I came back and I had 50-odd grand's worth of debt. I, I, you know, I've had two years of my life gone. And you, well, not gone, but you know what I mean? No, you, no, of course. Just, it's that what, what was the point of me doing it? You know, because yeah, yeah. you, you suddenly think to yourself... back into IRL. Yeah. life. <laughs> Aye, exactly. <laughs> and I really suffered, really suffered, yeah. I think, for a long time, just... I couldn't. I couldn't get used to being home and being static again. Of course. And then it was like, well, I've done this lifetime dream. What do I do now? What? what Tick that box. What do you do? Yeah, exactly. So, what's next? Uh -huh. So, um, I remember sort of getting into. I, I wrote the book, got the book done, and uh, end of 2016, I just thought I miss. I miss that interaction that I had with people, like random strangers, basically. Yeah. And I just thought. A lot of people have been asking about the vids and they said they'd enjoyed them. I thought, well, this YouTube lock seems to be going well, mm. so uh, I'll try my hand at that. So I just started filming, basically, and through social media, people were asking questions about various aspects of the trip and life yeah. after the trip. So I just started with that, really, just you know, life after the dream, I think, was the first one. Yeah. 
Um, I put that up and things just exploded, really. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. How many followers do you have on YouTube? On YouTube, uh, it's going slowly. I think I'm at 25,000 or something what? now. Yeah, it's it's good. It is, good. It's good, but obviously you want in your head you want more, don't uh-huh. you? It's, you're like an addict. Well, that's Facebook, amazing. yeah, Facebook really blew up. That, okay, that's like over a hundred thousand, I think now. So that's crazy. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like it's obviously all these like-minded people that are passionate about bikes yeah. and about travel and about mm-hmm. what you've done and probably living vicariously through you and all the, the adventures that you're still it's, going th- you it, know, it's through. Re- it's really nice to to get messages off of people who sort of turn around to you and say, y- you've been a great influence on me. Absolutely. You, you know, you've been, be inspiring people just to go and do it. This is it. Like you know, you did. You're, you're, the, like, you're the boot up my arse Not I needed. I, uh-huh. And um, other people, unfortunately, you know, people related to... Uh, you know, my mum losing her life and people who've had loss and people who are facing death, mm. you know, the people who are terminally ill. And a lot of people are like, well, I always had that dream, but I'm never going to be able to do it, but I can live it through your videos. Wow. And, you know, God, how, you know, what do you say to stuff like that? It's, it's an honour to be involved in somebody's life like that. So I, I really enjoy the sort of interaction that you get through the social media. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, you have ticked a lot of boxes here, you know. You've written a book. You've, <laughs> you've travelled the world. Yeah. Chicken strips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, tell us about that. Well, basically, after three weeks after passing my bike test, lads at work took me away on a bike trip. Cool. We went down to Magna Cour in middle of France mm-hmm. for this 24-hour race down there. And it was peeing down with rain the entire time, and I had the best time of my life it Did you? awesome <laughs> so that was the bug for for like bike touring really uh-huh. so as soon as i got that done i was straight back to my mates who all followed me they all followed me straight into bikes and okay. everyone passed the bike test Amazing. and bought bikes so all of a sudden you know we were all rugby buggers yeah, we were all rugby boys and all of a sudden people just ditched rugby and we were all bikers now right so we just hit europe and started going into france and germany mm. just wherever we could and they called it, I think they called it Smart Tours to begin with. Oh, we're away on a Smart Tour, because my surname's Smart. Yeah. And then um, somebody just came up with chicken strips. She says, ah, oh, you, sh- you should have a business. You should just have a tour company and call it chicken strips. So that sort of hung around for ages. And then a couple of years ago, people were asking, how do we come away on these trips? Because I would, I would video my trips yeah. away with my mates and put them up on YouTube. People were like, well, how do we come away? So... Chicken strips was born, and and now I sort of a couple of times a year, maybe two or three times a year, I take people away on on trips. Amazing. Which is and this year it's this year I could have probably done a lot more trips, but okay. the day job doesn't allow it. So that adult in the game, eh? Aye, aye, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all that. If, o- if only fun and games paid the bills, it would be great. So where is the next trip to? Where are you off to next? Uh, I've got one to where I'm off to next. Grand Canaries in May. Cool. Lovely. Um, that's that's for a tour company, a bike tour company over there. Mm. They uh, get in t- some companies get in touch and say, right, you come away and tour with us. If you film it, you know we'll we'll cover the the expense for it, um, and it's great PR for them. Of course. So you're not going to say no, are you? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm off to Canaries in May, and then I've got one of my chicken strips tours to Spain and Portugal in June. Uh-huh. Another one in September, and another one in October. Fantastic. Uh, and then there's a few other bits and bobs in between all that. And what does your wife make of the 
The baking. She's a my missus is she's a diamond. Nikki's Nikki's brilliant. She's a she came along. Well, to be fair, she sold all your stuff. Well, she did. She loved that, including the plants. <laughs> yeah, she likes buying yeah, right. and selling Clear stuff. Clear out that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. time. She had she had a great time. Um, Nikki's brilliant. You know, she she came out. She came into my life basically when I'd already decided I was going to go on this trip. I see. So right. she's had that to contend with from day one, mm-hmm. and uh, bike. You know, bikes are my passion. You know, it's, they're my air basically. So. Um, She's known that they're always there, and yeah. I, I'm away on the bike a lot. So uh, yeah, she's good as gold. As long as I make time for for Nikki and I, we we sort of set time aside throughout the year where we'll go away and do our of thing. So she's good. But it's as gold. nice to have your thing Aye. as a couple. I think yeah. it's nice that you have Absolutely. something that you do for yourself. So yeah. then you have stories to bring back and go. Definitely. And we did this and we did yeah. that, and you know. There's stuff she likes to do by herself, and I like time by myself. So we have that. Yeah. And then we have time together. And Amazing. It, it just seems to work. Of so, course, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And uh, has she ever been away on a trip with you? No, she's not, no. no. She's she did our um she did her C V T last year. Cool. Um but since she passed she's never been No. You know, she was thinking about going to get a little bike or a moped or something, but she's never done it. But she started coming out on the back of the bike with me a couple of times. Uh-huh. So I've not ventured there have you not? yet. Have you not? No. <laughs> I've got to admit, I don't I don't mm. really like having a pillion uh-huh. at all. But it has been nice to go and do a couple of things with her on the back of the of bike. Of course. It's so much easier than the car. You just jump yeah. on the bike and off you go. That's so, amazing. Uh, we'll oh. see. You know, we'll, you know, we'll see what the future holds with that. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting that you, you know, bikes came into your life a bit later. Mm-hmm. And I think that is nice in the sense that it shows people that it's not too late. Oh, like, never. You can be an adult and have responsibilities. Absolutely. And things, you know, and children and, and life to deal with. Yeah. But if you want to do something just just do it make it happen yeah. thoughts become things absolutely exactly yeah um for me it was like well this is what i want to do that's what i want to achieve this is where i'm at at the moment and in my head these are the things that are possibly preventing me from from doing that mm. for me it was you know i had a son i had a mortgage i had um, a job mm-hmm. I, I had no money yeah. I, you know all these things that you think well i can't do it because of this and it was just a case of right well if that's if that's a sort of bollard in the way of me achieving my dream, how am I going to how do I get round that or how do I accommodate that? Mm. So from a son, it was like, well, I I'd been away touring. I'd take Ellis away with me, and we we toured around Scotland for two weeks. Him on the back of the bike, and then I took him across into Europe, so he could be part of it with yes. me. And during that time, I could say to him, right, you know, I'm thinking about doing this trip where I'm I'm going to be going away, and mm. he'd be like, wow, it's amazing. I said, yeah, but I'm. I could be away for a year, two years, mm. you know, and I could just see what his reaction was to it. And as he grew older, you know, by the time he was like fourteen, he, he was like, "Dad, that's amazing. Go I for it. Just do it." it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he turned sixteen while I was away as well, so wow. that's a you know, it's a what big milestone. What inspiration, your dad? Yeah. <laughs> Travelling the world. Yeah. On his own. It was quite cool because a lot of his friends followed it. You know, cool. and um, yeah, it's uh, he's he got a cool dad to be fair. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think it annoyed his mom a bit. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, that that was cool. And then yeah. things like um, things like my mortgage, where I just well, I could rent my flat out, get a tenant in. Yeah. Um, no Where money. There's a will, there's a way. Ah, exactly. Yeah, no money was a case of well, sold everything I owned. How much have I got together? 
put my head down and work overtime for the next three years, four mm-hmm. years, wherever it was, try and get some cash together. Then I was lucky that some some family lent me a bit of money and my, my missus lent me some money. And then I managed to pick up a, a part sponsor that, that helped top up the tank, so to speak. Oh, so yeah. things just fell into place. And as you said, if, if there's something that you want enough and you focus on it and never give up, yeah. it's only you that's going to stop that happening. That's it, and the passion's just going to drive it forward. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you could give one piece of advice to someone who is thinking about travelling the world mm-hmm. a bit, maybe not necessarily on a bike, mm-hmm. but thinking about doing it, do it. You? Just do it. Just do it. The hardest part is leaving. Yeah. That is the hardest part. After that, you're just living. You know, Life on the road is no different to life here. It's just, at the end of every day, you're looking for how you're going to feed yourself, where you're going to sleep. Mm. And then, Everything else that comes along is just all part of the adventure. You get lost, you get lost. So what? You just discover something new, you know? <laughs> you have to ask somebody for help. Great. You know, what's wrong with that? Uh-huh. Just just approach them and chat with them. And, and you can do I the international it. symbol for going to bed. And yeah, <laughs> and I've done the whole <laughs> thing, you know? What is this that I'm eating? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I, I love travel. I just love travel now, and I... I, I was by no means a seasoned traveller mm. you know, at all. Um, and now, yeah, I love it. I think that's inspirational in itself that you can you yeah. can put your mind to something and just do it, no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your life. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 Just uh, for, for me, I'm very much of the opinion that you are the only limiting factor in it. You know, and, and it's, it's a mental thing, absolutely mental. Mm. It's, it's not a physical thing, it's a mental thing. You just got to push yourself through it and keep going. Never give up. And live your life. Live your life, yeah. On that note, thank you so much, Bruce, for doing this. No, thank I'm you very much. I'm aware of time. Uh, how are you for time? Ten past four. Can oh, you do a quick aye, round? No problem at all. So these are the thingamabobs. Right. Um, there's a long list here, but I've selected some out just for you especially. Okay. Um, so my first one for you especially, I've never asked him to this one before. Oh, God, right. Red sauce or brown sauce? Brown sauce. All the way? Brown sauce, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a brown sauce man, definitely. Nice. See? This is, <laughs> this is a doddle. What do you miss about Scotland, about living in Scotland? Wow. People. Really? The people. Aye, definitely. So how long have you... 2000, I moved down. Wow. Sort of, uh, when was it? August 2000, I moved down to London. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a bit unfair, really, because you... Like my missus is from near Nottingham, that okay. sort of way. And people up there are totally different to people in London. London is just a very insular place. Uh-huh. Everyone's just focused on their own thing. Nobody looks you in the eye. People don't say hello. Mm-hmm. It's all that sort of stuff. You can always tell the tourists because they're smiling. They're looking <laughs> up. They're, they're chatting. You know, yeah. they, they say hello when yes. they see them. So <clears throat> London's just a, I think it's a, it's its own little country within the city, mm. I think. But in Scotland, I, I miss the sort of openness in Scotland, the banter, um, the the country, you know, the, the, the scenery. I just, oh, I spent 18 years of my life trying to get out of it and the rest of my life trying to get back. So. <laughs> well, the good thing is you're not fit to travelling. Well, so this is it. I, you've, uh, you've came here today. I'll, I'll come back one day, I think. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> What is the best road to ride on in the world? Oh, wow. That was made especially for you. Best road to ride on in the world. There's a couple, but uh, for just the sheer fun of it, uh-huh. for me, 
there's a there's a road what's it called again it's on my videos the picos videos that i do okay there's a road on day four i think it is that takes you into the city of leon and it's a really twisty road le Oh, I can't, I'm gonna sound a right geek if I get the road number right. But I can't remember. It's in the videos. There's a video that went live today. Okay. And I'm on that road. Right. That is just a hoot. Is it? Um, but there's so many others. You know, the Great Ocean Road in Australia for the scenery. That's phenomenal. But it's 30, 40 kilometers an hour. Boring okay. as sin. But where you are is just magnificent. Amazing. Yeah. Um, the Atlantic Coast Highway in Norway is just stunning. Again, the scenery is amazing. So there's so many roads like that. Uh, up in Mount Fuji around Japan, the sports bike roads are phenomenal. Wow. But I crashed there. But uh, oh they're great fun. There's just so many. Uh-huh. You know, there, there really are so many. Well, I'm glad I asked you. You're, you're <laughs> a man to ask, to be fair. Scotland's got some cracking biking yeah, roads yeah, as well. Of course, yeah. I. Yeah. Only you get on the back of a bike. I know, it's just the, the pesky old bill ruin it. That's the only problem. <laughs> <laughs> see, see them? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, talking about views, what's your favourite view? Glencoe. Oh, nice. Yeah, Glencoe. Yeah. Don't think you can beat that. There's a few places I've come close. Norway's got some spectacular places. Mm. Japan's got spectacular places. But uh, home is where the heart is, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. Of course. If you were in a band, <laughs> what would they be called? Oh, blimey. God. Right, I'm flummoxed. <laughs> what would they be called? I don't know. Bruce's bonus? I don't know. Nice! <laughs> Sound ever? Laughter. Can't beat it. Spot on. Mm. What hidden talent do you possess? Oh, God. What's your party piece? This is outrageous. This is outrageous. <laughs> uh, I, I have an ability to burp any song you like. No, you're right. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not doing it. You've said it now. You've said it now. I need to have had about eight pints before ah. I can do it. <laughs> I only gave you tea. I know. Yeah. It's not really a, a it's not something you can that do out in talent. public. That is a talent. <laughs> it went down well at rugby dinners. But, I bet uh, it did. <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> well, we'll just have to take your word for it. <laughs> Talking about banter earlier on, this is the question I ask everyone in mm-hmm. the podcast. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, blimey. Away and boil your heed, you bampot. I quite like that. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Working on the doors. You'd use variations of that at times. Yeah, you were a, uh, a frequenter of the... The garage in your day? I was, yeah, yeah, for me sins. Yeah, 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 that was me, yeah, standing <laughs> on the door there, yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've got a pal of mine who's a proper Glasgow boy. He'd, he'd give um, he'd give Billy Conley a run for his money, for his ability to tell a story. And, uh-huh. and, and yeah, that that's something I miss, definitely, is just that. And it, particularly in Glasgow, mm. where you, you get some people that they, they could read a menu out and have you in stitches. And my mate <laughs> Webby's exactly like that. He's one of those people. And, uh, yeah, I, I miss that sort of banter, yeah. definitely. Well, talking about t- storytellers, you're a fair storyteller yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing your story with us. And I wish you all the best in your many adventures. I look forward to keeping following you. And um, and thank you for being part of the Brawn the Brave. No, thank you, Lisa, for the, for the invite. I really do appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Cheers. Excellent. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Brawn the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.